This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hey there, cat lovers. Welcome to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat. I'm your host, Dr. Catherine Prim, and I am a small animal veterinarian and cat lover extraordinaire. And today I have the absolute privilege of talking with Gareth Thomas, who is also a cat lover extraordinaire. And he has lots of things he wants to tell us about, and I'm excited for you to hear about all the cool things that he has done and is willing to share with us. So we're going to take a quick break and come right back with Gareth. Be right back. Kitty Poo Club reinvented the litter box. No more scrubbing that stinky plastic tray or worrying. Oh my God, do my guests smell that? Kitty Poo Club has solved the stink. And now the worst part of cat ownership is hassle-free. No cleaning, no scrubbing, no more stink. And the best thing is you don't have to buy some oversized contraption that will break down. Kitty Poo Club litter boxes are manufactured to make your life easier. You have one cat? Easy peasy. A small mountain lion? No problem. You are going to love it. Your cats are going to love it. Believe me, there are good reasons why we sold over 3 million boxes. Go to kittypooclub.com, read the amazing reviews, and when you order, save 30% on your first auto ship. Visit kittypooclub.com, use code MEOW30 at checkout, and join the club, the Kitty Poo Club. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat. So I gave you a little bit of a teaser about Gareth Thomas, and he's here. Hi, Gareth. Hello. How are you, Catherine? I am absolutely well. So I am excited to have you today because you really are a cat lover extraordinaire, and you have written a new book that I think my listeners would really like to hear about. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the cat world? Oh, yeah. My first ever memory was of the family cat arriving. She was a seal point Siamese. And I was living in Devon in the UK then in a very small farm. And I would have been just four years old. And my father returned home with the cat he picked up from uh, the rescue center. And um, she stayed around for 19 years and was very central to life. She was a big, broad character. And those of you who have Siamese will well know that she understood what was rules and what wasn't. She had a great sense of propriety. I remember coming home um, slightly late after parties as a teenager, and you used to get roundly told off by Sarah in the kitchen. <laughs> and uh, she was a terror to the farm animals as well. And whenever a sheep was out of order, she could even jump on its back and to move it into the right place. So I grew up with that cat and subsequently have had Various other rescue cats live with me. Uh, there was one scenario when I was living in Auckland when I went to two delightful ladies who were rescue cat, people rescue cats and adopted them. And they made clear that part of their arrangement was that they would sneak up on my house without me knowing just to check the cats were being doing fine. Well, they obviously did that because they left another kitten there 
and they didn't think that was a good idea, and they left another one, and then a neighbour left another one. So I ended up with five cats <laughs> all living together, which is rather fun. That sounds perfect. <laughs> yeah, it was you're quite right. It was, perfect. it was quite fun. They all kind of sorted it out, if you know what I mean, Casper, and they kind of worked out actually who was boss when and what scenario. And then the first book I wrote was Cats Work Like This, which is a um, tongue-in-cheek uh, version of how cats operate and how they think and how they do. And it gave us the opportunity to look at some of the cat research. And Cats Work Like This uh, had some help from the Cats Protection League in Sydney, Australia. And they showed some research, which was they put cameras in various parts of Australia on cats as they went about their daily business. And they discovered that there were quite a lot of cats that actually had more than one home. Uh, and uh, then there was one cat in Adelaide, South Australia, which um, every evening after its, quote, owner's unquote, had gone to bed, he sneaked out, uh, went down the road and into his girl cat friend's house and slept with her. And in the morning, before her parents and owners had woken up, he left and went back home. And this had been going on for months, and neither of the human families had a single idea. The cats were looking like this was a great fun to explore what actually does go on. And then uh, it looked at the territorial habits of um, Sydney cats. And cats work like this shows that cats work out particular deals over territory at particular times. Therefore, if they're in a very crowded space outdoors, this cat has got access on this lane and this spot between these hours of the day and the other cat has it at different hours. They do work it out to some complexity. So that was quite fun. Cats work like this. And then um, I gave it a break for a while. And then I sort of discovered there's very little that looks at, in books, that looks at life from a, quote, semi-realistic um, cat's perspective, which is when I wrote Oliver Kitten's Diary, which is just published now. Oliver Kitten is, I'll read you a little bit of, of it, and um, he writes, My name is Oliver. Lucy and her mother and father took me away from my mother at the very old men's. All my family had been living there since before I could remember. Mother told me she preferred it to the fire engine where she lived before. So Oliver was born in a fire engine, was adopted by an old people's home, and they had too many cats, unfortunately, and therefore Oliver gets adopted by another family. And it's quite a large family. It's on the edge of town, and it's got three generations. It's got grandmother, who is, quote, supposed to know something about cats, unquote. The um, mother and father of Lucy who's a teenage girl and the central character for Oliver, and um, respective children and a baby. And Oliver gets into all sorts of interesting mischief, and you see things very much from a cat's perspective. Read day three. I spent today looking for trouble. I went into Lucy's room and looked under the bed. There was a big, extra smelly, fluffy thing there that she calls wabbit. Mother told me that they were good to eat, so I sniffed it and it fell over on top of me. It was big and dangerous, and I had to fight it with everything I had. Wabbit had me pinned down, and even with all my paws fighting and my teeth biting, Wabbit was still winning. Wabbit must have been making a noise, because Lucy got out of bed, and that doesn't happen much before anyone else in the house gets back into theirs. She picked me up and told me how clever I was, and made me sleep right next to her to protect her from Rabbit. And he has all sorts of simple and, as he gets older, slightly more complicated relationships. Uh, he makes friends with dogs, he makes friends with other cats, he makes friends with humans. And along the way, of course, he has lots of adventures. And sometimes um, the um, 
humans don't always like him because, as you know, not every human likes cats. Does that tell you a bit about it, Catherine? Well, I love it. So I want to hear, I obviously love cats and as a veterinarian, I see cats, but what was it like to write from the point of view of a kitten? It's a certain amount of suspended reality. <laughs> and um, you uh, kind of, uh, it's a little bit like writing for children in that um, you've got to accept a few things that just aren't what humans would normally think. And then the important thing is also perspective and size as well. Yeah, they're 14 times smaller than we are, and guess they can hear 14 times more and see 14 times more or whatever it is, but they are that much smaller. And um, they also have this wonderful matter-of-factness uh, that cats do. They kind of don't waste a lot of time in, an, in post-event analysis after something's figured out, and that's it, they'll move on. And it's also fun. They can sometimes, as you know, kittens can sleep a lot. So here's day 153. I woke up in Lucy's bed this morning. It's such a comfortable place. I decided to stay there all day, all night too, if I'm lucky. Lucy doesn't seem to mind. She's not seeing Bella today. That's her friend. Said she had to catch up with her own journal writing. I've already done mine, so it's sleep time. And they do spend a lot of time uh, sleeping. But then, as you know, cats do sometimes worry about things when things aren't quite right, when Animals are in the wrong place. And the, um, it's a fairly intense life. And they do experience things far more intensely than perhaps many human beings do. And therefore, I can understand why they sleep so much. If your sensations were increased by 14 times, um, you would get tired very quickly, I think. Oliver is a rather lovable character. And his life is enriched by the many people around him. The um, grandmother who is uh, very good at knitting. However, she obviously requires having her wool unraveled, and Oliver's quite good at doing that for her. The grandmother doesn't seem to appreciate it. There's Bubs, who obviously needs licking to sleep because he's very young and doesn't know much. There's goldfish that were a bit too cheeky, and unfortunately, when, I was, when Oliver was trying to organize goldfish properly, the bowl slipped and smashed. But the goldfish food was quite nice to eat. And there's a very nasty man with a tow truck that keeps trying to steal one of the family members' cars. Oliver actually got into the tow truck once and by accident, or we're supposed to believe it's by accident, pressed a lot of buttons which didn't do the tow truck any good. So there's a lot going on, including Oliver actually working briefly as a reassurance cat in a hospital. He eventually found it all a bit scary and ran away. Uh, we had some adventures there too. He made friends with the uh, local fish shop restaurant. Uh, the fish shop that had a restaurant at the back of it and then became very uh, very friendly there. And he got to understand where all the good food was in the neighbourhood. And also he did have this fascination for other people's goldfish, including uh, an aunt of the families he was staying in. He used to visit the aunt, who was very, very happy. But he charged the aunt a fee every time he came, and that was to eat one of her goldfish. Hmm. That's a bit about Oliver. Well, you're obviously very creative. And so I wonder, have you any thoughts about why creative, intelligent people love cats? It's really interesting that, uh, Catherine, that they, as you probably know, I'm a book publisher as well as a writer. And uh, cats and books do seem to go together. I think it's because, except when they're very boisterous kittens, they can be quite restful. They're with humans by choice. As you know, they choose to be with us when they want to be with us. And one of the reasons is that we can be quite reassuring and comforting. 
And I think it goes along with a bit of reflection. There's nothing nicer for many people than a good book and a cat. Except, of course, if the book gets too intriguing, the cat will actually demand its attention back. And they um such a curious creature, and there's nothing like it, and nothing comparable within the human condition. Cats, if you remember, choose to be with us, and the original deal, if you like, people seem to agree, happened roughly when we first, as a species, started storing grain. And when we started storing grain in the Nilotic Delta, that attracted mice, and that attracted wild cats, who in turn were attracted by the fires that humans had. And uh, the humans were very pleased to have the cats because that actually got rid of the mice. And the cats were pleased to have the mice and the warm fires and they became friends thereafter. And therefore, it's always been a, an arrangement of convenience of both sides. And I think we forget that at our peril. I mean, people do say dogs have owners and cats have staff. And there is some truth in that. Dogs, which I greatly love, and I've often had dogs too, are very dependent upon you. Your cat every day chooses to be with you. And I think it's that a difference um, that makes them particularly intriguing. They also have a world in which they live in that we don't always see. As I mentioned before, they see 14 times more than we do. They hear an awful lot. And sometimes just watching a cat can be endlessly intriguing. I've learned over the years, too, if I've lost a cat, to look higher and higher and higher. As you know, they always have to find the high places. So for even spotting the cat, it can at times be amusing. And then most cats I know like to have their own private quiet time. And where they find that in their house is interesting. Oliver Kitten in Oliver Kitten's diary ended up finding a nice space in the um, cupboard next to the hot water boiler. And he managed to pull down some blankets and hide in it. And it took a long time before anybody knew he was there. And um, I also find, Catherine, it's hard to imagine uncreative people and really nasty people liking cats. I have a little litmus test in business life if you actively don't like cats i'm probably not going to trust you you don't have to be positive positively like him it's a pity that you don't but that's obviously a choice but if you actively dislike cats i suspect there's something wrong with you and i'm not going to do business with you it's an eccentric old old view but i remember how um if you remember the james bond film franchise where blowfield was particularly evil had a cat and that was a very strange juxtaposition and that was done deliberately hard to imagine the world's worst dictators having cats as well so it's a long answer to your your, your question Catherine. i think they stimulate re reflection they stimulate relaxation and that in turn stimulates thoughts and cats are a great part of much of literature so tell me a little bit about your publishing company do you exclusively publish books about cats no, we're a general uh, publisher. We are now live in the United States. We started off in New Zealand some 30 years ago and expanded into Australia, and we're now in the United States. And we publish a range of self-help books, books on cats, and uh, books on all sorts of non-fiction subjects, actually. But we're very much about, I guess, the common element, Catherine, is that we want our books to be uplifting and to actually help us all enjoy our lives a little bit more as well. And we're always looking for good new cat books. There's a lot around, but it's trying to avoid the saccharine sweet ones, some of which can be absolutely lovely, or the very dry practical books that you know, tell you that that shall do this and that must do that. And cats are aware of figuring out what they need anyway. Uh, some good, good, good advice from people like yourself is obviously essential, but I think too much dictation in book form people don't really like. And um, therefore we sell through our Amazon bookstores, and we um, 
exhibited trade fairs and things. We're soon going to be at the Chicago's. So every year it has the uh, American Library Association meeting, and we'll be at that this June. And we publish about 30 new titles a year, and are either in cloth or hardbound. We also have a children's list called EK as well. That just stands for Excel Kids. And cats turn up periodically in that as well. We find that um, we, we publish quite a bit in the self-help space. And there are quite a few stories of uh, how when an animal in a, a shy and anxious child's life can actually really change it. There's a gentleman called Finn, who's a young man, who uh, really wasn't getting on with anybody at all. But he goes good started getting on with his cat and nobody planned for him to have a cat but he did and that gave him a sense of companionship and responsibility and that gave him the confidence to move forward so cats are very much part of our lives but you would see a lot of this and uh, yourself i mean it's amazing what broad range of people do love cats isn't it catherine but quite often they are reflective do you think that's the case i do i do and you know i think that cats kind of have a knack for perceiving what is needed by their human, and I think that's part of what makes them mysterious and special. I think that's actually right and really well put, if you don't mind me saying so. They do see what is needed. I think in a way they have a sense of propriety and a sense of order, and that perhaps comes from hunting. There's an old um, technique old hunters used to do, and that instead of looking for whatever your prey is, you have to understand what the landscape looks like in an ordinary sense. So you're not looking for a deer, you're looking to see what the landscape looks like properly. And then once you understand what the landscape looks like, you'll understand what's odd. And what might be odd in this case is that there's a deer there. And cats, I think, really want to understand how life should normally be. I mentioned in the introduction that Sarah, the cat I grew up with, had this great sense of propriety. She knew where things should be, uh, and she knew what people should do. And she was got cross when people were out of order. I think they do observe very well. and. Uh, of course, their, their physical landscape is incredibly important to them. You know, what to you and I might be a wine glass kept on the floor could become a new obstacle. It could actually hide a predator. It could actually be something interesting to play with. They'll observe everything. And in that way, they know what's right and they'll know what's wrong. And therefore, once they know what's wrong, they'll try to address it. So it's expressing your point in a slightly different way, I think. Yes, I agree. And I think that is well put that they have to be able to perceive the differences just to protect themselves as well as hunting. So I agree with that. So there's another book um, that you contributed to as well. And I think it's called Meow. Can you tell us a little bit about Meow? Meow was a lot of fun. Uh, we noticed that there were quite a lot of nice pretty picture books of cats and a few books of our cat quotes, but not, none, none together. So what we did was that we found, went on research and um, areas as diverse as Shakespeare's through to uh, quote books through the Christian Bible and various other texts from all over the place, poets, etc., and found what we thought were really great quotes about cats. We then went to our friends and family and photographers and Shutterstock and got what we thought were some fantastic photographs of cats. And then between our editors and designers and myself, we linked the, the um, quotes to the photographs. It's extraordinary. There are about 120-odd photographs and 120-odd quotes. And we all did this blind. We all came at it from very different, different angles. We all were given a set of pictures and a set of quotes and said to match them. And 99% of them came back, everybody agreed the same, which really made the book rather lovely. And uh, Meow is now a best-selling book. 
answer, we created a series after it, and it's called A Book of Happiness. It celebrates cats. It has the joy of them there. And um, that's done, done very nicely commercially, too. It's given a lot of people a lot of happiness. And another major cat book I referred to earlier is one I wrote called Cats Work Like This, which is a tongue-in-cheek title because actually everybody knows you cannot say cats work like this definitively because they have their own rules thank you story behind that book is rather interesting my father david st jim thomas was a cat lover he was also a separate entity a publisher and a writer and um in his later later years uh, well into his 80s when his powers were fading he wrote the first chapter of the book and whilst I was sorting out his papers, I thought, well, could actually do him the service of finishing it. So I had some of his observations as well, therefore, and some of the observations from his father. Therefore, Cat's work like this has observations of three generations of cat lovers from around the world, too. And um, cats are always a wonderful source of material. Cat's work like this, of course, goes into some of the more difficult issues, that there are far too many stray cats, not enough people are having them neutered. There's a lot of people who think cats are just for a brief period of time. I was horrified by how many cats were adopted during the COVID period when people were locked down in various parts of the world, and then a few months later released because it was too difficult, the entertainment value had gone. And that disrespect for the species is profoundly disturbing. There is some work to do, but the radio station you're working for is very good at doing quite a lot of this work. I do, and um, I think that's exciting. I like what's going on there. I do too, and I love that you love cats and that you're writing about them and trying to make people happy through them because that's kind of what I want to do. I mean, I want to make people happy, but I want to teach people how to be better cat lovers. We'll be right back after a quick break. How many of you have pets? My hand's raised. Now think about how lucky you are to have such a sweet little pet in your life. And that pet is lucky to have you too. But unfortunately, there are countless pets out there that don't have a home to call their own. However, Bob's from Skechers is trying to change that. So we developed Bob's for dogs and cats to help pets in need. With every purchase of adorable Bob's footwear or fun, stylish apparel, or even the cutest Bob's pet accessories, Skechers makes a donation to Petco Love to help save shelter pets. And with your help, we've already saved the lives of over 1 million pets and raised over $7 million. So while you're getting style and comfort with features like Skechers' famous memory foam cushioning, you're also helping to save an adorable pet in need and helping another lucky owner be connected with a future best friend and companion. Because happiness is having a loving pet by your side. Find Bob's at a Skechers store, Skechers.com, select pet co-locations, or wherever stylish footwear is sold. Kitty Poo Club reinvented the litter box. No more scrubbing that stinky plastic tray. Or worrying, oh my God, do my guests smell that? No cleaning, no scrubbing, no more stink. You are going to love it. Your cats are going to love it. Go to kittypooclub.com and when you order, save 30% on your first auto ship. Visit kittypooclub.com, use code MEOW30 at checkout, and join the club, the Kitty Poo Club. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. So I think that 
that is a perfect opportunity for us to discuss how my listeners can find out more about you or get copies of these great books. Well, there's our website is exilepublishing.com. That's E-X-I-S-L-E publishing.com. That's exilepublishing.com. And the book, Oliver Kitten's Diary, or Cats Work Like This, or Meow, can be found on the website, can also be found on Amazon, and most of the book the bookstores will have it, or the independent bookstore's website can actually have that too. So the books are Oliver Kitten's Diary, Meow, and Cats Work Like This, and it's E-X-I-S-L-E, publishing.com. We've just set up our website in the States, so that's there. And also, if any of your listeners have ideas and perform new books on cats, I'd love to hear from you. It's really great talking to people who really care about cats and know about cats. There's a lovely balance, I find, in that a lot of people just like cats. People like you, Catherine, get quite engaged in it professionally and personally. And then there's the um, delightful loony fringe where all they think about is cats, and that actually doesn't always appeal to the cats because you're there to entertain them (laughs) as well. That is true. That is true. (laughs) Well, I'm really pleased to get an opportunity to talk with you. I would love for my listeners to look his books up, reach out to him with your ideas, because uh, just like him, I love to hear reader, listener feedback and ideas, because some of the greatest show ideas have come from other people. And I'm I'm sure Gareth feels the same way. Absolutely. No, there'll be people listening to your uh, podcast now, Catherine, who have great ideas for books who may even have one. So I love to hear about them and we uh, go for all ages. And um, Catherine, what's the next stage for your your own practice? Are you very busy with cats? I am, but I, I don't see enough cats. There is a study that shows that a large percent, I don't remember the number, a large percent of cat owners in the U.S. don't ever see a veterinarian. So that is something that I'm sort of trying to work on with this podcast to make sure that people understand that cats seem very independent, but they, they do need medical care. I think it's important that The research that was done in Australia as to why so many cats were not neutered or spayed, whatever you call it, in the U.S., was that actually people thought it was more expensive than it was. And uh, normally a vet will do you a good deal and work something out. They've obviously got to make a living. But there are normally ways to actually make that work. And sometimes there is that perception, which I don't know if that applies to you or not, but uh, a cat, like a human, has to be checked out every so often. They have so evolved over nine to ten centuries living with us that their bodies are not in their natural shape anymore they've adapted to be how to be in their existence with us and therefore they're going to need veterinary help i think it should be kind of almost de rigueur it's a requirement so good luck with spreading that message well thanks for your help i appreciate it so there you go listeners you heard it from another cat lover extraordinaire that your cat does need to see the veterinarian regularly so Thank you so much for joining us, Gareth, and teaching us about all things cats and your terrific books. I'm very excited to read them all. And also, I want to thank my listeners because you guys are meowvulous. I love it. And without my amazing producer, Mark Winter, we wouldn't have Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. So I want my listeners to all go out and have a perfect day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.